Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. today with sex columnist, advice columnist, Dan Savage. We're talking all about his brand new book and we're oh so excited, aren't we, Monet? We're so excited for this fabulous episode. We're so excited and we just can't hide it. We're constipated and we really hate it and we hope that someone is into that. A laxative fetish. Oh, for the holidays, we've all been overeating, but we want to make sure we're nice and clean. A laxative fetish. Jesus Christ. Yes, mama, get with it. Dan has a new... Dan Savage. You know what? We didn't even say this. Dan Savage created... The It Gets Better campaign. So he's not just a noted uh, sex advice columnist. He is also a noted uh, famous activist. And we're thrilled to have him. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Dan has great advice, y'all. Let me tell you, this man knows his sugar honey iced tea. He's been having sex for a long time. (laughs) And he is uh, very open about experiences and just points of view and advice that I know I have never thought about to think about with sex and love. And if you're and if you think you know everything, just listen and maybe you open your mind because it's definitely a very, very fun, interesting conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Ebony and Irony listeners, we have a very beautiful and special guest here. Um, on the oh no 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 I'm I'm the co-host every week Monet but thank you I didn't say repugnant delicious and uh, I mean uh, shit repugnant you were right delicious whore I said a beautiful man (laughs) ladies and gentlemen please welcome the fabulous Dan Savage hey lady bunny hey Monet thank you so much for having me thank you for being here you are so welcome and for those who those who do not know Dan Savage is a sex advice columnist for I'd say. 30 years, right, Dan? Yeah, I've been writing Savage the, Love in, for in, 30 years, my syndicated sex advice column. Uh, in The Stranger, which is the Seattle publication. And now you have a book out that combines a lot of your advice, great advice, uh, on sex and relationships, dating and mating, exes and extras. Mm. So could you give me some advice, advice on Monet? Because she is very, very extra today. <laughs> I'm extra every well, day, honey. I'm, I'm extra where it, it counts. It's usually romantic um, relationships that I referee. And <laughs> are you guys coming out about something that Absolutely everyone wants to know? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
first of all, you called us guys, and that's going to be transphobic. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do not pay her any attention, Dan. I'm, Bunny has I'm not kidding, had her meds. I'm kidding. She has not yeah. had her have her meds for the better part of this last decade, so she's a little loopy today. So, how did you pick from all of the years of advice yeah. to put this book together? I mean, there must have been. Was it like a long editing process? Well, I looked back over the columns and just picked up the. You know, it's not a collection of columns or, or Q and As with readers. It's essays, uh, new essays about sort of themes and topics that I've been toying with and developing for 30 fucking years in Savage Love. Uh, my ideas about monogamy, my ideas about open relationships, my ideas about making a monogamous, long-term committed, closed relationship work mm. for the long-term, the kinds of compromises or accommodations or improvisations you're going to need to to deploy to, to keep that sexy and hot. That mm. spark, how to keep the spark alive bullshit that everyone who writes about relationships has to write about. But I write about it in a very different way because what, I write about it from a kind of gay man's perspective. Well, you know, which I find to be very interesting because obviously I, I feel like gay men just we just think about relationships much differently than than hetero folk and even lesbians and other queer people like gay men are very specific in the way we love and how that works for us so to get your to hear it from you someone who has obviously obviously done the groundwork and has a lot of knowledge thereof i i am very excited to read this book and i want to learn a few things well one of the things that we we can learn about uh gay relationships compared to lesbian or straight relationships is that the data, you know, despite our reputation for, you know, mm -hmm. being the flighty ones or the ones who have a problem with commitment because we're gay and there's so much dick out there and we're men, mm -hmm. gay relationships are more stable really? than opposite sex or lesbian relationships. What does stable mean, though? Like, they last longer or, like, what? They last longer. The study, studies show that gay men, once they marry or commit, are likelier to stay together than opposite sex or no, same sex dad, female dad, couples no, no it's true it's true and you know what and you know what i think what? it is this has been my hobby horse for for years i've been like i i don't want everyone to be non-monogamous i just want monogamous people to know that monogamy is hard uh -huh. and one of the things that all the research into gay male relationships shows is that our relationships with the least likely to be monogamous people who are more likely to be monogamous are straight most likely are lesbian the most unstable relationships lesbians really likeliest to break up less likely to break up straight people least likely to break up gay male couples and wow. it's not despite being non-monogamous i think it's because our relationships are mostly non-monogamous it's a stabilizing influence in our lives interesting if you cheat it's not, no, not cheating. If you it's open bunny it's open okay well so you now, Monet, I sounded a little surprised, you know, to hear that gay relationships are the longest lasting. And maybe I, well, I am too, but also, um, I mean, I guess maybe that's because we think of a lot of gay, quote, relationships as not quite relationships yet, but just tricking, you know, hooking up. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, not what true. you consider a relationship because that doesn't last long. That lasts, you know, one in 15 minutes or an hour. That's, or an but that's hour. often bitch, how bunny, gay men... Bitch, I, you can have sex for an hour. Bitch, please. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe four minutes. Don't even kid your fucking self, bitch. Uh, you know, okay, but you so, know what so I call we, those? Can, can, you not, can you not use this wonderful interview with the legendary Dan Savage to, to, to you know, show everyone that listens to this podcast that you cannot get enough of my sex life because that's where you really that's your whole goal in doing this podcast with me i mean i mean you know i mean the, the sad thing is for me is that it's hard because straight Viagra. women gay women <laughs> men trans they all want me and it's just hard for me i mean i just always turning everyone down have you ever encountered anyone like that dan yeah there are some people out there who are in great demand and so it's probably better <laughs> for everyone else that that person not settle down and just make themselves widely available for one-offs well, and tricks and one-night stands oh, oh baby it's very wide honey. you know an yes. another secret one of the things that i've been writing about sex and relationships as a gay man writing primarily for straight people my advice column is for straight people it's about straight sex mm -hmm. primarily and i've really watched over the last three decades is gay relationships got quote unquote straighter and straight relationships got gayer, which just proves there was nothing gay about the gay lifestyle. It was all we were allowed. And there was nothing straight about the straight lifestyle. It was what they were compelled to do. Mm -hmm. And once you freed people to make their own choices, some gay men want to marry and have kids and settle down, not necessarily be monogamous, but have kids, settle down, get married. Other gay men don't, but some straight people don't want to settle down either. Yeah. And if you look at straight life and culture now, 
But if you look at straight life and culture now, so much so much of it is what Lady Bunny and I remember as gay life decades ago. They just changed the names of everything. Mm-hmm. We had tricks. They have friends with benefits. We had uh, one night stands or or, or or tricking. They call it um, uh, hookups. Right. Mm-hmm. And they took everything right. from gay life and just renamed it, including like living in urban areas, getting married later in life. And so, yeah, they're a lot gayer and we're a lot straighter. Now. Well, I have a question. So why do you why, why did you find yourself catering like writing for for hetero straight couples as opposed to queer couples? Because I, I certainly give tons of advice to queer people and queer couples in my column and on my show. Yeah. But when the column started, it was really a joke. I was writing in a straight newspaper as a gay man, giving sex advice to straight people about Got straight it. sex. And I was going to, the idea was, you know, in 1990, 91, I was going to treat straight people and straight sex with the same contempt and revulsion mm. that straight advice columnists had always treated gay people and gay sex with. You know, I grew up reading Ann Landers and the Playboy Advisor, and they would sometimes respond to gay people, but they always made sure to let us know that we were icky and that they were a little squicked out having yeah. to touch our letter. And so I was sort of treating straight people like that. And it was a joke, but straight people loved it. And it became a real advice column by accident. So when you say that uh, that gay people are now allowed to do certain things, obviously marriage would be a big one of th- one of those things or, you know, having kids. And then maybe also the straight people who don't want to be monogamous. Maybe that would explain the you know pe- straight people getting in touch with that would explain the high divorce rates that we've seen that I've seen over my lifetime. Well, divorce is, you, rates, is that what you're saying? Divorce rates now are at kind of historic lows. That 50% of marriages end in divorce stat is a little outdated. People are less likely to marry now, which could mm. be a good thing or a bad because thing. Because of COVID. <laughs> because, because of COVID. But they can't, they can't break up because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, there's some people. There's some I'm, theories that people are less likely to marry now because they're so economically insecure and the world is such a howling nightmare. Um uh, others argue that people who didn't want to marry and were sort of forced to in the past, that being the people who got divorced, aren't getting married anymore, and that's good for marriage. Can I just pursue one other yeah. thing? You, you mentioned another thing about uh, gay sex versus straight sex, in that gays are forced to communicate, and by that, I, and straight people aren't um, about sex. I mean, we will generally. I mean, that's the whole purpose of Grinder is that you state this is what I've got, this is what I'm into doing sexually, and straight people don't really have yeah, that. Yeah, I've always said in their that culture. If right? you had to look your mom in the eye when you were 15 years old and tell her you suck dicks, you put penises in your mouth. Asking your boyfriend or asking Grinder for what you really want is not as scary as telling your mom who you are, right? <laughs> you know, when I had to tell my oh, mom- no, 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 I sucked her- d- uh, I told my- When I was 15, I sucked her dick. <laughs> oh my God. I sucked my mom's oh, dick when I was 15. Yes, I know. That's, that's really <laughs> compelling because you write a column about that if it's true. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But, you know, I've always, um, I think gay people are better at sex at straight people are, than straight people are, not because we're magic, but because we have to communicate. You know, when straight people go to bed together for the first time, the whole conversation usually ends with consent. Yes, we're going to have sex. Now we don't need to talk about it because it's going to be penis and vagina sex. When two gay men go to bed or two males go to bed for, for the first time or two women and they get to consent, that's the beginning of the whole conversation. Who's What happens now? Who, who fucks who can't be assumed when there's two guys with cis guys with penises in bed that's with right. each other? They're going to have to keep talking and negotiating. And one of the things, of all the things that straight people stole from gay culture, the one thing I really think that they should steal and they haven't are what I've always called the four magic words. What are you into? Which is something Ooh. that gay men ask each other oh, either bitch. directly or implicitly. First date. You first, know, they didn't, first message. What are you into? What and then, into? and I, when I was like 16 years old and gay and just becoming sexually active, that was such an empowering question to be asked. Mm-hmm. And straight people don't ask each other that. Women aren't asked that question by straight guys. It's just assumed that she's into getting fucked. Otherwise, she wouldn't be there, right? right. For sex. I could consent to sex when I was 17 years old and say, I'm not, I don't want to be fucked. I don't want to have anal. And the gay guy I was going to bed with would be like, great, we can have oral, we can mutually masturbate, we can roll around, we can do something else. And so it was possible for me to like be sexually active, you know, at the height of the AIDS epidemic without taking risks. Um, and anal then to me represented too great a risk. And it, and it'd be okay with my sex partners. Imagine if a straight guy was going to bed with a woman and she said, I'm not into vaginal, I'm just into mutual masturbation. <laughs> He would not be okay with that. He should be. He'll get laid more often if he's okay with that. Right. 
Well, what are your what say to you to gays that hate that? Like, uh, stop with the like the what are you into? Like, like what do you say to those gays? Uh, or those queer folk? I, I say you're really fucking stupid. Take the win. <laughs> that we're forced to communicate with each other it makes us better at sex, makes our sex lives and our relationships more interesting, more rewarding. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people get too good at asking for it, or sometimes people get too glib about it, and they sort of lose sight of the enormity and I think the importance and the terror of sex, uh, which we should always be, I think, thinking about. Yeah. But on the average, in the aggregate, that we have to talk to each other, that we have to negotiate the sex we're going to have, that we can't default to gendered sex role expectations during intercourse makes us better at it, makes us better sex partners. And also, I think, better partners. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Monet, when people ask, you know, when they say to you, or not to you, but you hear of others saying, or to you, I don't know, um, why are you asking me what I'm into? I don't like that. I mean, you, this question is for Dan, whoever. Do you think that's because there is a stigma for being into certain things like bottom shaming. So if someone is into bottoming, they don't want to come out and just say it. Listen, I'm like the least PC person in the world. But the one thing I do think is fascinating is the idea of bottom shaming. Honey, it takes two to tango. If you want to fuck, you got to, there got to be a a hole. And it's like, and I I, I put something up on Facebook about this. And I thought the one answer was so hilarious because the guy said, well, honey, uh, the only people bottom, bottom shaming or other bottoms because tops are looking right. for bottoms it's, it's it's this weird <laughs> conundrum and i'm like but there are tops looking like i i don't understand what's the shaming i mean the only obviously is the is the stereotypical if you're a bottom you're more femme or you are like all, all of those stupid tropes that go along with being a bottom but i think it's 2021 about to be 2022 bitch we know that that's not a thing like everyone like bitch i have fucked so many men in drag and they, you know what they were all fucking bottoms for me all right they wanted my big <laughs> black drag queen dick in their above in their assholes but let's let's a shout out here for the for the Dom bottoms and the sub tops yes, who are also honey. out there in the world, and a blouse, you know, honey. Some you know, the people a blouse, and I want to feminine top. A blouse, I always want to complicate these a, conversations. Did you know that term? Did you know Fem that term, Dan? Oh yeah. Top is a oh blouse. blouse. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that either, but I love it. And I love yeah. femme tops. I've always, I, I wrote things 30 years ago, 25 years ago for This American Life on uh, NPR about, I was always really attracted to femme guys. I never understand the guys who were like, oh, he opened his mouth and a purse fell out. Because I was always like, great, more room for my dick in there now that the purse fell out. <laughs> Dad. But the, the thing I want to say about bottoming and bottom shame is that, yeah, it's often a lot of bottoms who are bottom shaming each other. But there's something hot to the shame in bottoming that this thing that like makes us feel bad and guilty about ourselves before we like accept ourselves as gay, we sometimes want to like save just a little bit of it because it's arousing, because what's risky or wrong or transgressive is sexy. And to like reinforce this a little bit that there's something shameful about bottoming. I do not believe there's anything shameful about bottoming, but to mm-hmm. hold on to like some, to be able to tap into that when you want to can uh-huh. be very erotic. 
Okay, I could see tap that. into it, indeed. Uh, but so this is something I never understood. Guys that would claim that they are tops, but then would see someone really hot and say, I would bottom for him. Now, I'm not saying that they, sh- they should be turned on by whatever they want to be turned on by, but what you just said, it, it attaches like, well, I'm not giving up that part of me. There's a hotness. There's a, you know, whatever to that. But it just seems to, to me like, is that person... Is that person really a bottom and using how hot the guy is as an excuse to bottom and shaming themselves? I always thought that was so weird. There's other guys that are like, you know, oh, I like to top, but only like for a, you know, only like top a masculine guy. I'm like, so you want to top a masculine guy that, you know, looks like they don't want to. It's all, it's confusing to me. Well, people are very complicated sexually and you can't pin anybody down. I think often what guys who identify as tops, who aren't always tops, some guys are rounding themselves down from verse top to top. What they're saying at that moment is whatever he wanted, even that could not something I would usually do. And I don't know, like there, I'm going to use gross examples. But but it's also, it's a little, it's a little bit of that internalized uh, m- misogyny where you're like you, bottom shaming comes from sometimes I think uh, you know you're the, the shaming the person who's in a passive role in a feminine role the role of the woman you know th- so so that's that's what that's what I always thought was weird about it. it's like if you want to put your dick in a hole how are you going to shame the hole yeah it does seem self-defeating <laughs> I, I do want to sit speak up for the tops quickly though there, you know, there's in the complaining about top privilege all the time. That discourse, it sometimes feel like there's top shaming going on there. And you know, oh, what? bottoms, bottoms have What's to clean out. Bottoms have to clean out, and bottoms uh-huh. have to watch what they eat for dinner, and bottoms have to uh-huh. do this, and bottoms have to do that, and tops take uh-huh. it for granted. Bottoms get something out of bottoming too. Most oh, guys sure. who want to get fucked really want to get fucked. The, the way people true. talk about it makes it sound like the bottom is just like taking it for the team and suffering for the top and gets nothing out of it. In my experience as mostly a top, like it's- That is true. You meet those bottoms where they literally the entire, they just, they will take 14 raw dicks and they just want, like you see that I'm like, and they, like they can't get enough. And I see that. Right, but yeah, I not will doing say, the but top of favor are... when they get fucked, it's themselves. They want to get fucked. It's what they want from the top, not just what the top wants from them. Well, I think it's also the top. So you see that they come into a, they, they they they're trying to fuck and they don't want to do the work to like fucking eat your ass or open the or or get you relaxed. They're like, oh great, you're here. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Fuck you. It's like no, bitch. Like no. that is the privilege that a lot of tops they 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 have. They like they think that they don't have to work to do anything. They just, they just I, show up with a hard dick. Is that bad at is that top privilege or is that just bad at sex? Like you're right. Maybe someone who doesn't know how a butthole works, that you can't just <laughs> drop a dick in it, that you have to like kind of earn it. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be someone who who thinks that you know, as a lot of drag queens, you know, trans people will end up dating straight identified or whatever, so it f- makes them feel like they are. Um, still straight if they're just like taking, even if they're doing it with someone who is male or born male or whatever, you know, that makes them feel that they are um, still the man in the relationship and they could still be straight. It was just like, they could still be straight if some guy sucked them off. You know what I mean? I I did drag for a decade. We called them panty chasers. We always knew the difference between the guy who knew who he was but was just into trans women or gay men in drag. And there was something mm-hmm. about that tension there, but he was open about it and gay identified, but into a certain kind of type of gay drag queen or trans woman. Not that I'm calling trans women men, but yeah. And you knew the guys who were messy, the guys who would like make out with you in a corner and drag and you would remind them that you had a dick and they would go, no, you don't No, you don't baby. Those I bet guys, you know, you didn't want to go home with they wanted dick, but they wanted you to pretend that you didn't have well, that, one. Uh huh. Uh huh. Even as yeah. you fucked them with it, and that's that's happened to me. That, that. No more dangerous place <laughs> in the world for a gay man to be than in a room with a straight identified messy closet case during his refractory period. That's Ooh. when gay guys. That's when trans women get beaten to death by intimate partners. Yeah. And so, yeah, it might be yeah. hot to think about that straight guy who's so conflicted but has to have your ass, but. Yeah, I've had friends beaten up in that situation and I wouldn't go into it. Yeah. 
No, it almost happened to me when, when I was younger and met someone at the pyramid. Honey, I was always, you know, over six feet in heels, much less the wig. Brought this guy home. We were both drunk. Took off our clothes and got in bed. And he jumped up and turned the lights on. And, you know, as soon as, uh, you know, uh, I took my panties off and I was like, well, honey, well, what did you expect? You were in a drag bar right. at the pyramid. But then he he jumped up. And, and so we had a little argument. I said, well, you know what? Jumping up and killing the get turning the lights on kind of killed my mood. So he hit it and um, kind of shoved him out the door and slammed it. He almost broke the door down. Some skinheads had to come and uh, protect me that were uh, living upstairs because he's like, and he knew that I was a drag right. queen. He just, he couldn't let on his own mind that I was yeah. a drag queen. Cause I was never, I was, passable. I was, I looked like a giant Barbie doll when I was doing drag. And I want to see pictures of Dan and drag. I'm going to Google this right now. <laughs> There's a couple out there. Name? It was before everybody had cell phone cameras. My name was Helvetica Bull. <laughs> when I had black hair, when I had blonde oh, hair, I was Futura Bold um, Oblique, Helvetica's sister who married a Greek shipping tycoon. The straight guys would hit on me because I looked like, at that point, you know, in the 90s, I looked like the Penthouse Magazine girls they'd been jacking oh off to God. in the 70s and uh, 80s. And they, the, the classic for me was this guy was like, I, I would let you suck me off in a club. And I looked at him and it was like, I just put all this makeup on. Tell you what, you suck me off. How about that instead? <laughs> and he did. Work, Dad. Dad. Dad, I'm obsessed with you. Okay, wait. So <laughs> going back to our early conversation. So let's say you to a couple like because it's a all of my all of my gay all of my gay relationship friendships, they're all in open relationships. Not a single one is closed. I can't think of a single one. But mm -hmm. how what about one that's transitioning to openness? When is the because Bob and I have had a lot Bob and I have a podcast together on sibling rivalry and we often talk about open relationships and what that looks like. And he is of the he's of the mind that you should open up your relationship literally from day one. From the from the day one you meet, it's open. Do you think that I mean obviously there's no right or wrong way, but what is your advice? Do you say oh monogamous for a little bit, then open it up, or open it from the beginning? Like, what, what is what is your thought process? My thoughts that? are complicated. Um, you, I've seen both work. You know, my husband and I were monogamous for four years, and we've been non-monogamous for 24 years. Um, so we had a period of sustained monogamy where it was clear that we were really into each other. Uh, mm -hmm. And not getting, you know, emotionally into each other, but not sexually into each other. So seeking sex outside the relationship to make the relationship work, which can sometimes happen. It can be a crutch. And if you want your primary partner to also be into you, you know, a period of, if not, you know, pre-agreed to or, or committed to monogamy, but effortless monogamy, like you kind of don't want to fuck anybody else for a while because you're yeah. infatuated with each other and getting to know each other and you're yeah. prioritizing each other early. I think that's usually how it happens. But I've seen yeah. the opposite happen. You know, I know guys who've met having four ways who never stopped having four ways uh, right. and have been together for years and years and years and years. What works, works for the couple it worked for or the thruple it worked for. Um, and individual re results may vary. You can't just say, oh, if I make it, you know, if we make a monogamous commitment at first, it'll definitely work out for us because that's how they work, those ones that work. Because um, yeah. there's just too many examples of all sorts of different ways working. What works for you works for you. People have to figure out what works for them yeah, yeah. and what makes them happy. What Terry and I did worked for us. Um, I would recommend it based on my own personal experience. Yeah. Um, but if you want to go a different way, go a different way. I mean, to me, that makes the most sense. You're building up, you're like building up the love and the trust of this person. You're really into that person. To me, that makes the most sense. But, you know, like you said, to each their own, whatever works for you works for you. Whatever doesn't, won't. But it should be the one thing that gay men have, gay relationships have always had over straight ones is that monogamy is something we discuss and agree to as opposed to an assumption we make about the yes. relationship. It's opt-in. Oh opt my God, in. true. <gasps> it's so opt-in for us. And that's good. Um, you know, when you're dating and it's casual, you shouldn't expect that it's monogamous. If you upgrade to boyfriends, that's usually a discussion then around whether you're going to be monogamous. Mm -hmm. um, and gay men have that discussion and straight people don't. They just assume. That's so that's so true, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not the most experienced in relationships, but there is a point when you first meet where it's like it would feel like a betrayal because you're all about each other if you started sleeping with other people. But, but, but it wouldn't feel like a betrayal I mean, of your partner. It would almost feel like you're betraying yourself. 
Because the per- only person you want to be with right now is this person that you just met and you're falling in love with and you're infatuated with. And if you go chasing other dick, it's almost like it's a betrayal of them maybe, but it's also a betrayal of you and what you're capable well, of and if, what's but possible. But if they do it... Yeah, you can they, experience it as a betrayal. Cheat, it's a betrayal yeah. of, of, of me. But it ain't cheating yeah. in the absence um, of a monogamous... I'm not saying that that happened. I'm it, not saying that that happened. I'm still really upset over it. <laughs> but it ain't cheating in the absence of a monogamous <laughs> commitment. If you haven't made a monogamous commitment, right. it's uh, not exclusive. Yeah. Hey, listen, Dan... D- I gave him $5. <laughs> <laughs> there is This book is filled with so much advice, y'all, on sex and relationships and dating and mating and exes and all the extra shit that, it, that, that happened in Sex and Love. And honestly, if you, bitch, pick her up, like just go through, read through, get your life, learn yourself some things. Honestly, I I got myself a copy um, 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 on, a, on a, I got it on, on Apple Books. I don't like physical books. I think that, not that physical books are not, everyone should buy the physical book, but having it digitally <laughs> is really great. And um, yeah, you just, it's just, I am, I am, I feel more empowered in my relationship and um i'm only a little bit in but this is great dan i'm I'm so happy to read this are there new trends that you've observed over the last few years i mean maybe they were always there but i was never familiar with plushies um until about maybe 15 years ago and what do they do and how do you know um Well, plushies and furries have been around for a while. Plushies are people who are sexually attracted to stuffed animals. Uh Um, Furries, which is not necessarily a kink for some people, but kind of a community or an identity, um, are a different animal, a different fur-suited animal. But, you know, people who are attracted to... It's almost like watching Big Mouth now, the character Jay, who has Uh sex with his pillows, his anthropomorphized pillows. It's so genius. That's kind of what people do with plushies. That instead of a pillow with a hole cut in it that they have sex with, it's a stuffed animal that they enjoy having sex with. It's a form of objectosexuality. Uh, it was much discussed. It's not over the last couple of years, like 10, 15 years ago, people began talking really? about 20 years ago about plushies a lot. Uh, that's kind of when furries huh. broke. It's when really when the internet began to be everywhere, it created yeah. communities out of what were extremely rare niche sexual kinks or fetishes. So somehow suddenly all the furries could find each other. Somehow suddenly all the plushies could find each other. You know, there's probably 20 plushies in all of the Midwest. Well, now there's a plushie community around the world of hundreds, thousands of people who are on the internet and we're able to form a community and an identity because the internet facilitated it. Um, and you've seen that with all sorts of other niche kinks and sexual interests uh, and, you know, niche identities even. Like masking. Like masking. Masking? Masking. What's masking? Which is one of the things. It's like when you mask. put on a ma- like it's, it's, it's when you put on a full like latex mask often of the opposite sex. But it's, is it K95 though? Are- <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think it's I think it's thicker than that. Uh, I think it's thicker than N95. But no, this is a full mask with where your eyes pop out. You know, I don't, I, I guess you could breathe, but then they get in drag and, you know, often there's corsets oh, and it's that. a bondage thing mixed in there too. But if you've seen, it, it was forwarded around the internet a lot. Yeah. Do you have any, have you come across that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, I have. I have come across that. Um, there's also now um, companies that are selling, you know, latex masks for different kind of male faces that are basically hoods that you pull over yourself and you have a completely different look, identity. You can buy latex muscle suits, you know, if you want to see what it's like to be a muscle queen for an evening without ever having to go to the gym. (laughs) That's now possible for folks. And No, I'm wearing one. It doesn't work. What I think is really (laughs) interesting is the uh, technology. Well, science would go so far, Bunny. The way we're folding technology into our erotic lives. Yeah. Um, you know, so many people, we're in the generation now where everybody's first sexual experience was mediated by technology, where they had their masturbated, they saw porn for the first time, or they masturbated and saw porn for years before they had a physical partner, before they kissed anybody. And they like find partners using technology, using their phones, and really, that tech is becoming absorbed into our erotic imaginations, our erotic inner life in ways that are going to play out over the next couple of decades with the emergence of new kinks and new ways of being sexual online. 
How do you feel about porn ruining sex? Because a lot of because the the thought process is that because porn is so accessible, you can have literally any fantasy you want on the internet on your computer, and it's ruining having like person to person contact and sex. They're calling it a sexual recession. Well, you don't right have now. to meet anybody. Yeah, yeah you don't you have, have to, to meet, meet anybody, anybody, but you can have cyber sex with people. Um, they're calling it a sex recession right now. There's all sorts of data pouring in showing that people are having less sex, that there are many people who've had, never had sex, never had a romantic partner, mm-hmm. um, many of them male. Uh, it used to be that men on average had a higher number of sexual partners than women, and those numbers are now equal because men's are dropping so fast. Wow. And is that because guys are staying home and watching porn? Is that for reasons we don't yet know? And the, the research is currently being done. But I think there are people because of pornography who are opting out of the sexual meat marketplace and staying home. Mm -hmm. And we can look at that and say, oh, that's terrible. Or we can look at that and say, well, maybe at least some of those people, maybe a majority of those people enjoy that more. And it allows them to express themselves in a more authentic way sexually than having to negotiate or compete uh, for actual sex partners out in the world. Or a safer and maybe a safer or a safer way i mean I, this, I have not had sex since covid began and i was quite promiscuous for and it, quite a few years but i never really liked porn until now because i i feel like you know unlike meeting someone which is fun and you know your personalities and whatever humors the turn-ons whatever it's like I, now i look at the porn i'm kind of like let's get it over i don't really want anyone in my home you know uh like the I, I i'm just not ready to do the the sex thing and breathe the same air as someone but i i of course many people have warned that porn is hurting sex i mean feminists have always said that 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 and you know i i did hook up with this guy on um craigslist in miami he was a younger oh so we're talking guy, circa 2002 and, well you know, like i say i haven't been active lately but um the you know he was doing this thing where he, i was blowing him and he was saying no hands no hands and he kept i was like how <laughs> know uh, to to say that i'm like you sound like you're 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 you've been in a gay uh you know movie this seemed like a little you know straight acting well that that's uh, not that that's I not new tr- i remember having sex in germany in the 80s when i lived in germany and like these guys who couldn't speak any english who spoke german would suddenly when i was sucking their dicks in perfect american accent in english say you like that dick don't you <laughs> yeah, suck that cock sure. because they'd been watching so much porn. I don't want to down like I don't want to downplay what's actually going on. Porn is mainstreaming some activities that are dangerous, like choking. Um, mm-hmm. That people see choking in porn, they see it as something pleasurable or enjoyable, and they see it being modeled in porn as not a negotiated extreme kink, but just as something you might do to a sex partner. Yeah during sex that they will obviously enjoy because everyone in porn seems to like it. And then, you know, 18, 19 year old, very inexperienced people are busting that move and traumatizing sex partners who didn't expect to be choked out or throttled during sex. That's the problem with porn. I got to say though, that, you know, the feminist critique of porn that I was familiar with, that we heard a lot about in the eighties and nineties in college campuses, that porn was the theory, rape was the practice. That turned out not to be true. And we have basically data to to prove it because we saw online porn come on in different states at different times. And wherever porn suddenly was easily available and ubiquitous, rates of sexual assault and sexual violence fell. They didn't rise. Mm. And one of the things that's uncomfortable to contemplate is that there are people out there who are now sitting at home masturbating, watching maybe extreme porn, maybe representations of non-consensual sexual activity in porn who aren't out there raping anybody because they're staying at home now and fantasizing about it and jacking off instead. And porn is meeting a very dark need, but doing a, a social good at the same time. Porn seems to have brought, helped bring down rates of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. So speaking of choking, this is a little something I read in your book. Uh, one doesn't have anal sex with an ass full of shit for the same reason 
one doesn't have oral sex with a mouthful of food. It's uncomfortable and messy. Now, now Dan, I don't, you seem to have heard of everything. I do have sex with a mouthful of food. Come on. <laughs> you ever heard of that? What are you talking about? I haven't heard of that cake. It sounds messy and uncomfortable, but you do you. <laughs> um, what, Dan, have you ever heard of something uh, called dope dick? No, please tell me. It's it's something that really gorgeous Latino straight males talk about how their dick stays hard for hours and hours when they do heroin. What? Yikes. Yeah. Not worth the trade-off. Okay, I guess this old whore just trumped Dan Savage <laughs> sex advice columnist. Uh, we have uncovered a new... <laughs> I'm have, you, have you ever heard of soaking, Dan? Silking. Soaking. Oh, soaking. Yes, I have heard of soaking. The Mormon kids yeah. do it. The Mormon, yes. The Mormon what kids. Is it? And it's like because what because of uh, having sex, I guess they see it as like going in and out in penetration. They like take their hard dick and just let it sit in the pussy and just it just like sits in, soaks in it. Yeah. If you're not thrusting, it's not intercourse. So if you just right. put but how does it get in without at least one thrust? And exactly. But they call they we we named something in my column once saddlebacking, because after the big promotion of absence education under Clinton and then under Bush, right wing fundamentalist Christian kids were told that they had to be virgins on their wedding nights, and they were also told that sex was only vaginal intercourse. So they all started having anal intercourse and thinking that they were still virgins because they'd only had anal, which means my husband is still a virgin. <laughs> despite my best efforts oh my god i love that so do you've been you guys have been together for almost 25 no. years that's fierce and uh, do you attribute the success of your marriage to all of your obviously great knowledge in sex um no yeah, the secret of our quote-unquote success is we just keep not breaking up or divorcing each other <laughs> it's really that simple uh, it's actually almost 30 years we've been together and it's been, you know, sometimes when you're, you know, kind of prominent gay male couple, you've been together a long time, you, there's this public facing part of your relationship, which, you know, mm. you put it out on Instagram, you put it out uh, yeah. in different places and it seems perfect and like without conflict because you don't put your fights on Instagram. Yeah. Why um, would you? It's been, we've had our ups and downs. It's never been boring. Um, we've had breakup extinction level fights and thrown the the D word in each other's faces, divorce, but we've always yeah. managed to work through it in the end and and we're still together in part because we've allowed our relationship to evolve and change and we haven't stood in each other's way. You know, Terry's a very different person now than he was when we met and I'm a different person now than I was when we met and I celebrate who he is now and he celebrates who I am now and we've managed to stay married because we can do that work i took a little passage from your book where you talk about some people are alone unquote in the in the without a romantic partner sense of the term all their lives because they're too damaged that's me or too uncompromising that's also me but some people wind up alone as the cliche goes um, they're just unlucky in love. The, but the conventions of the advice column genre, like the conventions of the best friend relationship, require me, Dan Savage, to tell lonely people that there's someone out there for everyone and that they need to keep looking. So that, you know, that I am uncompromising and I, 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 the, not necessarily damaged, but I've always gotten along so well with friends and found my companionship needs from them. And then I've always, and I didn't invite you on the show to ask you about my problems, but <laughs> just, I wanted to, your, your take, but I've always, I've never had a shortage of sexual partners either. And, um, and they fulfill that need. I have just never. That sounds well, like, that sounds times, wonderful. I've, that sounds perfect. I found that in the same person a few times, but it hasn't been my gist and it hasn't really been what I've looked for. You know, we're told that everyone should want, a romantic partner and sexual partner and a long-term committed relationship. And then people who that model doesn't make them happy and it isn't actually what they want, wind up making commitments that they can't keep or sabotaging relationships to get out of them because it's not what they want or who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, if what you've done, you know, close, intimate friends, 
and getting sex elsewhere met your needs sexually and met your needs for intimacy and companionship, how do you have anything less than what I have? And how is what I have any better than what you have? It's not. And, you know, you ended the reading of that quote and, about and some people being alone. The friends. I'd rather have the friends. Yeah. It, and I think that's I, great. I'd rather stick with the friends because they're not going to I'm not, not one of those end. gay married you know, guys the, the, who's like everybody they, should want to be gay and married or that we're doing it better or smarter mm-hmm. or more highly evolved. I celebrate gay relationships in all their difference and straight relationships. My One of my straight brothers likes to say he's gayer than I am because he and his girlfriend have never lived together over 20 years and it's an open relationship wow. and they've never married. And so he's more sort of old school gay than I am with my marriage and my husband and living together all these years. Um, so in doing a column for 30 years, is it 30? Yeah. So you started off, you know, with asking your readers to address their letters with Hey Faggot and your early columns were sassy and sarcastic. Um, so the and 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 your brand i'm very familiar with your columns over the years um is frank talk about sex you know and you're saying address me as dear fact we can't really speak frankly <laughs> in a lot of circumstances now can we <laughs> I, you know, I think we can. When I started writing Savage Love, one of the things that really set it apart was I let people use the words they actually use when they talk about their sex lives in print. Mm-hmm. And no one had really done that before. You didn't have to say in Savage Love, I performed fellatio upon my partner. You could say, I sucked that dude's dick, like you might in a bar with your friends if you're talking about your sex life. Um, mm-hmm. I think people are freer now to talk about sex and talk about their sexual interests. Um, you know, it does seem that there's some tiptoeing that people feel like they have to do. Even I feel like I have to do, like you'll note in the book that often I'm talking to straight people using gay examples, also talking to gay people. And I have to like back up and make sure everyone knows I'm talking about cis straight opposite sex couples. Um, and Mm. I go on digressions where I round everybody up and include everybody, uh, in all their you know, wonderful and liberating variety. And that's me being very self-conscious that I have to be careful, more careful now about how I talk about these things and cautious to make sure and self-critical and self-scrutinizing to make sure I'm not excluding people or leaving people out. Even if I'm trying, like making a point about, you know, the averages and bell curves, I have to make sure that I'm citing everybody. Well, I mean, I'm someone who is blasted, you know, as insensitive or whatever sometimes. And, you know, even the word cisgender, to me, that sounds like a word from, you know, trans therapy. And I really soured on the word when it has become, like from the social justice warriors, a word that is like almost, it's like, it's an insult if you are cisgender and you don't want to transition or you're not gender fluid or whatever. And I've, I've told Peppermint this, I've said, you, you do know, right, any movement that seeks out to bash or to say, die cis scum. I mean, cisgender is used so much now that it is actually abbreviated to cis. And I'm like, you do know that when you're bashing the over 95% of people that do not want sexual reassignment surgery, your movement may be uh, doomed. <laughs> I don't think cis don't is necessarily <laughs> bashing. It's just like someone can say fag with not affection always, but, but, and but someone sometimes. can say fag very hatefully. You know, you know when you see people no, like... No, it's not said with affection. When you see people saying... They don't say cis with affection. They say... Oh, I think some people say oh, as a fact without like... Yeah, it's a, it a pejorative. Just but when like, you see yeah, people, like people spitting out trans. Yeah. cishet, oh, like the way people spit out cishet on Twitter... It's understood that both those syllables are insulting, uh, but I don't think it's always used that way. And sometimes, you know, for me in my column, oh, it is always. helpful uh, when I need to distinguish between um, trans issues and non-trans issues in a in a response or or it comes up in a question to have cis. Uh, but I don't always qualify woman with cis woman necessarily or man with cis man because most everybody mm-hmm. is cis, and so. Yeah, sometimes I get in trouble there. So, Dan, you know, Candace Bushnell yeah. is the sex in the city as savage love would be to... Are we going to have a... 
a series, a television series, uh, Dan? Would you uh, be interested in that? How would you feel about that? I, I don't think so. Why? Terry, like years ago, uh, when Terry and I were new parents and together, we were approached about a reality show. They wanted to put cameras in our house, follow mm-hmm. us around, pay us a lot of money. And we turned that down because we're not monsters and we didn't wouldn't do that. Uh but but so, this would, this would be, this would be like a, a series that you would write and you would and you could make have all the critical control and not 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 some cameras peeking into your life and taking one moment and distorting it and making it something that it's not you know what I mean this is maybe, you maybe have, I could I would do that if I could be like Lena Dunham and I could write it and star in it and then cast the people to be my yeah. boyfriends that I wanted to make out with like <laughs> I would so cast little Nas X as my boyfriend in three episodes <laughs> like she cast Adam Driver like my God I want in on that. What a racket! Ah, I mean, I would definitely this this series sounds. I I it sounds like much watch TV. <laughs> I would love to watch this. Yeah, me and Lil Nas X having an intergenerational interracial relationship for a three episode arc, <laughs> where we spend the entire time in bed. I would like totally. If I could write that show, I would like agree to have my column on television. Okay, heard. Um, who is this? Let's do it. Who, who is this Lil Nas X that I keep hearing about? He's like little Bo Peep, but like tall and black. Oh, and the and okay. bottom sounds good. And like to me. a, and a bottom, apparently. Bottom. Which he does not give me bottom vibes on it. I, I I know he says he's a bottom, but I feel like Lil Nas X is the type that you take home to bottom, but like really she really wants to top you. She just likes it because some people like being like light, saying I'm a bottom so they can be that girl. But mm-hmm. sometimes you're more suited to be a top, in my opinion. What? Or sometimes yes. people want to they they they, they want the to subject themselves to bottom shaming? Well, because now the percep- yeah, he's hot and the perception okay. of and nowadays so, uh, not, I mean, speak for yourself, but I mean, I see from my circle of friends and folk and my friends like it is empowering to be a bottom these days. There's not a, there's not the same stigma attached to it as it was in like the 2000s when I first started having sex. Like I just feel like it there's more power like bitch, I'm a bottom. I'm like I'm I'm a bad bitch, I'm a bottom. Like to me that's the stigma with bottoming these days, not the shameful, uh, I'm less than, I'm sub, I'm subservient. I love that kind of bottom. Give me a bossy bottom. Give me a dom bottom. Right. I am right? such a subtop for a dom bottom. Girl, sit on the zick. I'll sit on that zick and own it, honey. <laughs> Dan, I, I, there's lots of great advice in your book, and I love, love, love this quote. This is from Savage Love by Dan Savage. Go places, do things, even if you have to go alone, go. You're likelier to meet someone if you're out of the house and moving through the world. Even if you never meet someone, going places and doing things mean you'll means you'll have a rich and full active life regardless. I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, it, it, it's because we're in a lockdown. We're not in lockdown, but you know, if we haven't been out and, and doing things and bit by bit, we can do more. Hopefully there won't be a winter, you know, a research or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you, you, I have gotten really, really cozy at home. I mean, some of it's my age too, uh, two years since the pandemic starts, but yeah, that's really great advice. It's, it's like, go out, put yourself in situations to meet people. And uh, even if you don't, you win. Yeah, and yep. even if you're with someone now, you might be alone again shortly. Like, yeah, the COVID epidemic should have reminded us all of that. You're one like runaway bus away from being single again. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't have a life that's rich and rewarding, whether you have a partner or not, you're taking a real risk. Somebody can leave you. Somebody can drop dead. And then, what have you got? If all you wanted and all you've invested in and all you're about is your relationship, yeah. Dan, we could literally go on and talk to you forever, but unfortunately, time will not permit that. You, listen, everyone listening to this podcast, go get Savage Love from A to Z by Dan Savage. It's also beautifully illustrated as well. Um, great advice about everything on sex, love, relationships, dating, ex-boyfriends, like your like your current boyfriend's uh, DMing your 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 his ex-boyfriend. Yeah, there's probably advice about that. So make sure you go check it out. <laughs> and I also give advice every week on the Savage Lovecast, my weekly yes. podcast. Where people can check that out at savage.love. I am subscribing literally right now. I and need, your I, I social advice, media? Social uh, media? I'm on Twitter at fake social Dan media? Savage. Website? <laughs> www.savage.love and at fake Dan Savage on Twitter. Sounds good. Dan is trying to plug a He's like, say it, say it, say it, Savage. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. 
Oh, thank you so much, Dan. You've been <laughs> fabulous, my dear. Thank you, Monet. Thank you, Lady Bunny. It was a real honor to be on your show. Right, and that was Sex Talk with Dan. Bunny, I learned, I got some really good viewpoints about things, especially with the open relationship thing. Bob and I have, some, have, have talked about this so much on our podcast. Because, you know, Bob has, like, what, four boyfriends now? So his, Bob mm-hmm. is currently, like, and he's and they're all open, and they're all polyamorous. So, but they've been open from day one. So it's, to me, it's, that's, that's such an interesting uh, thing. And to hear Dan's input on how he would go about that, I thought was very interesting. Yes, well, I mean, he he knows his stuff. I wonder how he knows about straight people fucking. I mean, he must he must have some very frank friends. Or maybe he's <laughs> had he straight sex. Ask. No, I maybe Dan has had straight sex. Yeah, but yeah. well, that's true. He does have an interesting thing to say about um well l- listen anyone who is speaking frankly for decades is going to be occasionally called out as you know uh, unpolitically correct but um, right. you know the the um i mean <laughs> and especially anyone who 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 works with humor which there is a lot of in this wonderful book oh so you think that you think you're funny in the in the wonderful book not interview Oh, okay. Just wanted to make sure because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No, um, I know I'm funny, bitch. That's why my Christmas w- show is sold out, <laughs> except for December 22nd, 23rd, the Lori Beachman <laughs> Theater. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to I want to read two reviews that we have because we asked people to chat about Kwanzaa. And uh, if you want ever want us to read some of your reviews on Apple Podcasts, you can go to the Ebony and Irony um um page and you can leave a review a rating and count us there but there we have two new ones that i want to read the first one is from randy seven and title is information queens love it thank you for a breath of fresh air it's so wonderful to hear two knowledgeable queens speak on touching issues that the media will not touch keep it up girls five stars wow The next one is from Louie91. Are you sure that was the right podcast? Was, you, are you that was, on a, was that review on our podcast, Ebony and Irony? Yes, girl. <laughs> and the next one is from Louie91. The title is my, in, in um, capital letters, Kwanzaa, two stars. <laughs> what is that? What does that mean? What, what, I mean, girl, you were trying to say that you don't know any black people that celebrate Kwanzaa. Even I, I don't. I don't. Black people I don't. celebrate Kwanzaa. And this is what Louie said. As someone who has celebrated and is surrounded by people who do as well, Monet, saying she has no idea who celebrates it is extremely offensive. And I cried when I heard her say that. Imagine someone saying Christmas doesn't matter. I, people have said it, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't make me sad, and I don't care. I can only hope she apologizes. I'm shaking as I type this. Her dismissal of my experience is not okay. Okay, I did not dismiss anyone's experience about Kwanzaa. I said I have never met a black person who celebrates Kwanzaa. And as I said here on this podcast again today, besides Lue, who commented on, on, on Apple, I have never met a black person who celebrates Kwanzaa. That's not dismissing your experience. That's not saying that Kwanzaa is terrible. That's not saying Kwanzaa is shit. I'm saying I've never met a black person who celebrates Kwanzaa. Well... Um, it's gonna shock you, Monet, but I have never celebrated Kwanzaa either. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but Louie, I am so sorry that my co-host is so uh, unacquainted with her own culture that she would make such a Kwanzaa is not my culture. That's Kwanzaa is not my culture. Usually, I'm the bitch that gets canceled. So read the fucking house down on top of Louis, I, I, Louis, I, I, again, I, I, my intention was not to hurt your feelings about Kwanzaa. If you have your own personal feelings about Kwanzaa and how it's received in the world, that's your own thing. But as my experience, I can speak about my experience and my podcast about not being a black person who has celebrated Kwanzaa. That is not to shit on your experience. I, bitch, I hope you have the greatest Kwanzaa that has ever been a Kwanzaa this year. I hope that nothing but the greatest Kwanzaa of blessings happen upon you this year it still stands i've never met a black person to celebrate kwanzaa i have no never celebrated kwanzaa and that's just a fact of the matter 
I so. have that I'm older. But you know what? I want to culturally appropriate Latino culture and just say that I would love to celebrate Christmas with Monet's head as a piñata. <laughs> Louis, Louis would like that as well. I'm sure Louis would like that experience as well. <laughs> Louis, come help me. Let's celebrate. <laughs> Can I bring a piñata to Kwanzaa? <laughs> Oh, my God. Now, okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're done here. Have a happy holiday season from Bunny and I. And B, please, please, please make sure you get Savage Love from ABC <laughs> Dan Savage. Great, great, great. Podcast Network.